Hey there, this is Adam Zekas with Tom Kissingberg from the IDP Read and React IDP podcast right here at DLF. Uh, say hello, Tom. Cheerio, chap, golly, good gosh. Here I am. Uh, great. Uh, anyway, um, if you're interested in getting started with IDP and Dynasty Leagues or looking for a way to dominate your IDP Leagues, then our show is for you. Isn't that right, Tom? Ah, yes, my good man. And of course, I bring the coveted data and insight that can only come from a monarch-loving, tea-slurping, crumpet muncher such as myself. Yep, very very cool, Tom. Very cool. Um, Well, you can find our podcast right here in the DLF Family of Podcast feed on DynastyFootball.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Read and React. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome in to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan Myler with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. It's week 14, likely wrapping up the regular season. Uh, and we're going to cover all of these games in the final regular season week of our fantasy football season. Try to try to talk a little bit about what to expect in the playoffs, but mostly about what to expect beyond that in the long term. After all, we are a dynasty show. Ryan, how's how's week 14 treating you, bud? Uh, it's been pretty good. You know, the, the Lamar injury hurt for sure, but uh, had had him on a few teams where we're already I'm already in the playoffs. So that's that's going to sting a little bit, but all in all, in all, a good week. Lots of dynasty managers worried about Lamar and what he might not be able to bring to you in the postseason. I'm one of them as well, but you know, honestly, he hasn't been bringing much to the table recently. Anyway, Matt, how about you? How's it going, bud? It's it's going pretty well. Uh, yeah, I actually have not looked at any fantasy scores today. After I saw the Lamar injury, I was just. So distraught a little bit. I've Dejected, so right? so much of him. I mean, not that it really matters this much for this week. I think most of my teams are already either in or out at this point. Uh, I don't think I had any play-in games. Uh, but like Ryan said, for the for the next three weeks in Superflex leagues, it's definitely concerning. It seems like a swinging door of injuries in and out of dynasty lineups. We get guys like Delvin Cook and Debo Samuel back this week, and right away you see Lamar walk off the field early in the early set of games today. So um, we're all dealing with injuries. I really don't want to hear from anybody, oh, yeah, but I dealt with so many injuries. That's why I lost. We all, if you stayed healthy all year long, you're the only one. So uh, let's get into these games. I was just say we say this we say this every year like th- there's too many injuries it seems like there's more injuries this year than every year but like th- it has to be this year right like this has to be the year where there actually is more injuries than than and other star years. players star players yeah yeah if you go through the first few rounds of any ADP whether it be redraft or dynasty it's hard to find the first guy that really stayed healthy and we don't want to mention their names the ones that did because <laughs> we, we don't want to be blamed for for jinxing it uh things got kicked off with a bang on thursday night the vikings held on for dear life 136 to 28 delvin cook re-emerged 27 carries 205 yards and two scores he was awesome justin jefferson was as well seven for 79 and a score on 15 targets he could have scored like four touchdowns it was it was crazy. Kirk Cousins missed him a couple times. He, uh, he he was out of the back of the end zone, I think, one time. You know, just big plays that kind of never quite happened. Could have been a much bigger game for him. You know, I think everything we need... If there's one lesson for the Vikings here, it's it's that if Delvin Cook is playing, we got we to gotta expect him to get the workload. This, this has happened two or three times now where he's kind of questionable going into the weekend or even into Thursday night football. And then we get to the game, and he takes he gets 28 touches. He's the guy. So we need to remember that. Whoever's the number one guy in Minnesota, we need to rely on him like he's the number one player there. So if there's any dynasty takeaways, it has to be on the Pittsburgh side, though, Ryan. You know, a big, a big talking point following this game, especially on so- social media, was Chase Claypool and his, you know, pointing for the first down with the clock running and then having the, hand, the, the ball knocked out of his hands and his comments after the game, which were, um, 
youthful comments to say the <laughs> least. Um, he he had a big game, eight catches, ninety three yards, no touchdown, but on nine targets, lots of big plays in that game. But it all seemed negative when it came to Chase Claypool after the game. Yeah, it definitely was, and he had the uh, the unsportsmanlike um, conduct penalty. Yeah. I think that was on his first catch of the game, or, or at least very early in the game, pointing in the defender's face. Um, and, and yeah, it was it was all negative with Claypool, at least uh, you know, apart from his uh, his box score, I guess we could say. Um, but but that's like bleeding into his dynasty. Value exactly, now exactly. Point. We talked about it um, several weeks ago with with the Aaron Rodgers story, um, and and those negative feelings about a player when it when it has to do with off-field stuff it it really shouldn't impact their dynasty value but we see it every single time and if you were on if you were on twitter if you were on the dlf forums or or anywhere else talking about this game on on friday morning you saw those negative uh negative feelings negative thoughts about chase claypool and it does impact his dynasty values his value's already been going down this season because uh there, there was a big breakout projected and and that hasn't certainly hasn't happened but i'm still expecting an improvement at quarterback an upgrade at quarterback no matter how they handle that situation over the off season i think claypool is a is a pretty easy dynasty buy right now yeah, and he was he was creeping into the top ten in wide receiver ranks, top ten, top twelve, uh, for a lot of dynasty analysts that do such rankings. And it, obviously, he's fallen throughout this season, but he showed that upside on Thursday night. The big play potential, skying for footballs, run after the catch, all of it is there. He's just he's he's just. He, he makes poor decisions off the field and, and even on the field, actually. You know, the, the whole – he freaked out after that ball got uh, knocked out of his hands and they spiked the ball, blaming his teammate for it when the truth was – I think it was Kendricks, the linebacker for the for the Vikings, a little slick, little poke at the ball to, to waste a few seconds. It might have won him the game. Who knows? Uh, the other guy we should talk about here, and there are many really with Pittsburgh because, you know, I can't talk about the Steelers without mentioning Ben – Everything's so negative in a dynasty frame of mind. And he, he kind of turned back the clock for a couple of those drives late in the game. You saw old school Ben Roethlisberger bring in the Steelers back. Perfect throws. That throw to Fryermuth at the end of the game was perfect. Right over the shoulder of the linebacker. Directly in his hands. Just a perfect play by Harrison Smith to knock it out. Najee Harris was great. 20 for 94 and a score. Also had a pass reception for a touchdown. Deontay 5 for 76 doing his usual thing. But... It, it was Fryermuth, Matt. He, he once again he gets into the end zone. He has more uh, receiving touchdowns than every other tight end, rookie tight end combined on the season. He's he's putting up numbers every week. Feels like he should be in our our dynasty starting lineups every single week. The sky's the limit, really, for Fryermuth, Matt. Yeah, I was just curious where we where we're going to place his value at. For for me and my personal rankings, I've moved him up to tight end six, just behind Hawkinson, Andrews, Kittle, Kelsey, and of course Pitts. Uh, I've got him ahead of Waller and Fant, and I wonder if if that's a deal you could make right now, swapping either swapping a guy like Waller for for Fryermuth. That's something I think I would be doing at this point. Uh, Fant, you might have to add a little bit. I'm not sure. You know, we saw we'll talk about that game later, but we saw Fant today led the team in receiving, but still not really that impressive and he hasn't really uh kind of become what we thought he was going to be so if i can swap one of these other guys that are you know just sitting around him based on name value i think i'm going to go ahead and do that if we go to the trade finder there's not a whole lot of of useful things in the in the past past few days or so that we can really look at there but if we go back to the early part of this month uh we see some 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 pretty good values uh so anything in that late first range i think is is a fine offer at least for a starting place i don't know if it gets it done right now Um, um, but he's somebody that despite this, you know, it's almost like that his value has gone up. So he's, he's, he's certainly not as good of a buy as he was say a month or two ago, but now we have more confirmation that he is the guy that we thought he was going to be. Right. So uh, it almost makes sense that even though he's more expensive now, he's even a better buy right now than he was a month or two ago. Um, we do have some new ADP. Uh, Fryermuth is up to tight end seven. He's a mid seventh rounder. In our December ADP, that should be on the uh, on the site very soon. Uh, he, he's basically behind the tight ends, all the tight ends you mentioned, Matt, including Waller. Um, so line, lines up pretty well with your uh, your rankings. 
you know, I mean, if you're talking about trading a tight end for him as you were like, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather have Fryermuth and Fant or, or some of the others that you threw out there, but kind of expanding to the other positions and, and looking at some of the players he's being drafted around, uh, I, I would almost start to look at Fryermuth as, as a sell high. Um, okay. I, 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 I don't know, you know, you talk about Pitts and Kelsey and, and even a guy like Hawkinson, I feel like Fryermuth's ceiling is lower than players like that. Like, I don't ever think he's going to be a second or third round uh, dynasty startup pick. So, you know, if he's a mid seventh now, and um, I mean, Rondell Moore is in that neighborhood, Tyler Lockett, Dak Prescott, if you need a quarterback, Mike Williams, uh, Justin Herbert is only a few spots ahead of him. And, and, and as always, ADP is not is not a, a one-for-one trade tool, but it gives us an idea of how those players are being valued. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really like what we've seen from Fryer Muth. Uh, he's, his value is obviously climbing. Um, I, I think I might want to take advantage of that, especially if, we're not in, if you're not in a tight end premium league. Yeah, you know, I, the more I've gotten to think about it, over the years, the more I feel like having one of the top tight ends, even if it's not tight end premium, makes the league type tight end premium just because it's such an advantage as long as you're forced to start a tight end. And I think that there is at least a X percentage chance that Pat Fryermuth is one of those tight ends. There, maybe it's not over 50%, maybe it's closer to 25% that he ever reaches that top, top four, top three tight end range and I I think his his savvy around the goal line is maybe enough to create that for him that he can be a back-end elite tight end um so I'm I'm holding I think his value has to go a little bit higher before I start thinking about moving on from him I get it most tight ends especially tight ends of his skill set you know he's not the most athletic guy he's not going to stretch the seam quite as much as the more athletic guys that you see as the tight end ones overall. But um, his, he has enough that, that I want to hold on to him and see if I can see if I can unlock a little bit more upside in the long run, considering he's so he's awfully young to, you know, we, we don't like selling, selling high on on guys that are super young and, and still have a little bit of potential left to, to reach. Uh, the Falcons beat the Panthers 29-21. to It was Cordero Patterson again finding the end zone. 16 carries for 58 yards and caught a couple balls. Um, Matt, you were missing last week, and we talked briefly about Kyle Pitts. I'm sure you heard I it. Did. Five catches, 61 yards on six targets. So what do you got? I'm just I, – I wasn't there to defend Kyle Pitts last year. I felt like he needed somebody to like – I know. He had no, know. no he shield. Took advantage of the opportunity. Yeah opportunity yeah. yeah i just it it just seems weird that we're i mean it feels like in general the community is disappointed by pitch you know you have the people that were saying he's not worth uh you know the first round startup pick he wasn't worthy of being the 1.01 in rookie drafts you have those people kind of kind of doing a little bit of victory laps the last several weeks uh and you know i guess it's warranted if we're looking at his week-to-week production so far but if we scale back and look at what he's actually done this rookie season he's got 56 receptions on 88 targets for 770 yards in 13 games that's behind only kelsey and andrews he's averaging 50 just over 59 yards per game which is sixth in the league uh this season uh really the reason why we're disappointed i think is the only the one touchdown pass uh, reception if, if he had up to you know the, the four to five that these top guys have then we'd be talking about him as the tight end three overall this season in his rookie year uh, and if we want to look back even further and look at a historical aspect then right now uh, where he's at right now uh, he's only behind Charlie Young from 1973 Keith Jackson from 1988 just Jeremy Shockey from 2002 and of course Mike Ditka uh, had 1,076 yards uh, in his rookie season way back in 1961 so uh, he's he's still on a historic pace behind you know the only one in and i guess we could even say that it's the uh you know the current era is, is jeremy shockey he's better than all of those guys uh he's going to need 76 and a half yards per game over his next four to break Ditka's records but he's only going to need 31 yards per game to finish in second uh, uh all time above jeremy shockey of course that'll be in a couple of extra games shockey played 15 uh games in his rookie season so if pitts makes the whole way i'll have a little bit of advantage from that standpoint but he's been good you guys and his value i don't think is really going to decrease maybe it's 
it's not the 101 overall in a in a start in a one quarterback startup league but he's a first round pick in my opinion in, in startup drafts just based on what he's done despite the potential of the, or despite the week to week production that's been a little bit down uh here and there but we also have to one last thing we do have to consider also that the, the one thing that we loved about him was that he's basically a wide receiver playing tight end that's translated to the NFL defenses as well you know we've got guys like Stephon Gilmore and Marcus Lattimore and the best cornerbacks in the league guarding this guy as a rookie he's clearly the focal point of the offense uh with Calvin really not there to take away some of the coverage like he's 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 done everything we want him to do it just hasn't been quite as high as as some of the expectations I think the other thing we need to mention when defending Pitts is usage as well. He, sure, the defense is giving him the star treatment and all those things, but you don't see those those fades down near the goal line yeah. like you see with other guys his caliber with his kind of size and leaping ability and all those kind of things. You know, we see it. We saw it for so many years with guys like Jimmy Graham and Gronk and Pitts profiles is one of those types of guys that can go go get the football on those high above the rim type throws and he's not getting that you keep expecting it they flex him out and it's almost like Matt Ryan's not willing to throw it or the coaching staff isn't isn't suggesting that he should uh trying to give him those opportunities we we mentioned with it with Jalen Waddle last week that they haven't unlocked him totally that they haven't started throwing the deep ball to him those red zone opportunities are going to come for Kyle Pitts, and that's going to unlock his upside in the long run. Uh, the Browns barely held on against the Lamar Jacksonless Ravens, twenty-four to twenty-two. Baker Mayfield threw a couple of touchdowns. Austin Hooper caught one of them. Nick Chubb was pretty much bottled up. I don't know if there's a lot to talk about here, Matt, with the Browns. There's certainly not a lot to get excited about. No, I just wanted to kind of touch on the the, the backfield split with with Kareem Hunt back healthy and, and Chubb back healthy off of the bye here. We saw Chubb get 17 carries to, to Hunt's only two. Uh, he got seven, uh, excuse me, seventy three point nine percent of the running back rush share, fifty seven percent of the running back target share, uh, and the Baltimore matchup today was basically the toughest for running backs uh, from a fantasy standpoint when adjusting for schedule in the entire league. Uh, and we have coming up in the playoffs though uh, for for these guys, we have v- Vegas coming up next week, which is the fifth best schedule adjusted matchup for running backs. Green Bay is going to be a tough one in week sixteen with the tenth worst, but then they get Pittsburgh uh, in the in the fantasy finals uh, who just gave up that massive 200 yard game to Dalvin cook and is the third best matchup for uh, opposing running back. So I think, I think the needle is still pointing up for Chubb and he's, I think he's clearly the the guy, at least, at least for this week. I, I think, I think the split is going to still stay heavily in favor of Chubb now that we're deep into December and these, the Browns clearly just want to run the ball uh, a whole bunch. And I think that's going to be Chubb. Well, that's really all that they they have in their back pocket to go to is the Chubb running game, and you know he caught three passes, just six yards, but that was a that was a feather in his cap for his fantasy value as well. For the Baltimore Ravens, of course, Lamar goes down, Ryan, and and there's been a little bit of news trickling out of Baltimore about that. Of course, we record on Sunday night, so not a lot. Looking at MRIs probably on Monday. Hopefully, we get more information as the week goes on. The thing for me was Tyler Huntley came in and threw the ball all over the place. He he did his running, of course, six for forty five on the ground, a lot like Lamar in that light. But threw for two seventy, threw a touchdown, didn't make any mistakes with the football, at least interception wise, and got the ball to Rashad Bateman on the outside, particularly. I know he missed Marquise Brown deep a couple of times, especially late in the game, but Bateman was running those hitch routes, those 12 and 15 yard hitch routes, and and Huntley was putting them on it, putting it on him. So it kind of highlighted a little bit to me that that Lamar has his problem area still. He he has a little bit of trouble getting the ball to the outside accurately. He's, of course, way more comfortable throwing it to the inside to guys like Mark Andrews, who Huntley hit 11 times, or, or Andrews caught at least 11 balls for 115 yards and a score. But it just made me kind of see that there's a little bit more. Lamar can still grow a little bit. Uh, and it was weird that a guy like Tyler Huntley showed it off. Yeah, the game was interesting. Of course, the Lamar injury gets all of our attention. Um, uh, Kareem Hunt also got injured and and missed a big chunk of that game, so that led to the split. I don't know uh, the split that Matt was referring to. I don't, 
I don't know how much we can take away from that. You know, we heard leading up to the game that the Browns wanted to use both running backs together in the backfield. And Dan, like you said, that's, that's pretty much all they have. So to get those, their two best players uh, on the field makes sense. Uh, We'll, we'll see what happens and, or, uh, you know, learn more about that hunt injury moving forward. But as far as Bateman, the, the other thing that, that I noticed was Sammy Watkins, barely played in the second half and and Sammy Watkins coming back has really been has really coincided with uh, Bateman taking a step down so uh, which is interesting because I don't think of them as the same type of receiver um, but I guess uh, I guess the game plan has just been to get Sammy some more opportunity uh, I'm not sure if he got banged up or not but he was uh, he was like I said barely used in the second half and that did lead to that uh, opportunity for Bateman um, I think we have to look at this as as good news for Bateman moving forward, and uh, he he taken a couple of a uh, couple lumps over the past couple of weeks, but this is uh, this was a good one. Yeah, uh, Hollywood Brown was on the field for almost every play that the offense ran, seventy out of seventy four, and and Bateman was right up there with Devin Duvernay, forty nine and forty eight. Uh, snaps a piece running high 30s in routes as well Bateman really his biggest game so far in his rookie season seven for 103 a couple really really nice catches as well nearly scored fell down knee down at the half yard line of course takes the touchdown off the board but showed his upside and, and maybe he can trickle towards usefulness at the end of his rookie season show some of that upside for year two because I, I think we can all agree that the sky's kind of the limit for Rashad Bateman there in that Baltimore offense uh the Seahawks pulled away from the Texans won that one 33 to 13 behind Tyler Lockett five catches 142 yards and a touchdown on nine targets Russell Wilson of course 260 and two but it was the running game really Rashad Penny 16 carries uh, 137 yards and two touchdowns, Matt. His coming out party, finally. Year four, it only took a minute for him. Stayed healthy for an entire game. And those of us that were uh, had the guts, I guess, to put him in lineups were, were paid off handsomely. Yeah, I think this is maybe the healthiest he's been since since birth. I, I think that's that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Uh, but he's he, he's interesting. I mean, I, I've kind of always like held him on the on the very back end of rosters. He's somebody that like I've I've dropped and picked up and dropped and picked up when there's a waiver wire flavor of the week that I can get that kind of guy. But he always ends up on the back end of a couple of rosters. I certainly didn't play him, especially when the announcement came up that Collins was supposedly going to get the, uh, the the most of the carries, most of the work. Uh, but Penny showed what he has. The interesting for Penny to me, and you know who knows where we're going to be at with Penny uh, in three weeks. Uh, he has the he has the Rams and Bears coming up for the first two weeks of the playoffs, which you know aren't aren't super great matchups, but they're not bad, not super bad either. But then they have the Lions in the finals, who are allowing the third most schedule adjusted fantasy points to running backs this season. So you know if he's on your roster, I don't know if you have the stones to play him in your finals. I probably don't, unless he's literally the only running back left on the roster that's healthy there. Uh, but at least interesting. And then you know off of this game, I don't know if you can sell him to a playoff contender if you in a league without a trade deadline. Uh, but if you can get him for anything and you're not contending, I mean, if, if you can get rid of him for anything, even if it's just a third round pick, you probably got to take it at this point. Yeah, I, you know, it really felt like that coaching staff was talking a lot about Rashad Penny all week long. And then it happened, which is weird because usually Pete Carroll talks everybody up and, you know, constantly lies to us. But it, it really came to fruition in this one. As I said, 16 carries, 137, a couple of big runs in there as well. I know it was the lowly Houston Texans, but uh, I guess nice to see. I've, I've never been a believer, and I picked him up in a couple leagues and played him. Did you really? Week. You played uh, him? Just, I played him. I was, you know, backed against a wall. I, I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have any other option. Wow. Had to play somebody and, and uh, ended up going with Rashad Penny. So um, for, for the rest of these Seahawks, I mentioned Russell Wilson's stat line, Ryan, all week, it feels like the talking heads have been talking about a potential trade and, you know, what we've been talking about for like, it feels like forever with Russell Wilson. But, you know, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it because he's still signed for a couple more years. He still has the no trade clause and all those things. And Schneider, the GM there who drafted him and loves him, he's he's there for the long haul as well. It, I, you know, personally, I don't see it happening. I don't think they're going to let Russell Wilson walk out those doors. What are your thoughts? 
I didn't. Uh, I, I felt that way last year, um, and, and we, you know, you mentioned that we've heard it a long time. It, it's been almost a full year now that we've been hearing these these trade rumors. And and when it first popped up, I, I agreed with you. I, I didn't think there was any way. Um, I, I'm kind of leaning the other the other side this okay. time. I, I I do think ultimately. Um, he he is traded and and they move on. We we've, we've talked about this team needing a rebuild from top to bottom, and um, I, I think that's going to be part of it. Moving on from their franchise quarterback, uh, the report this past week was that he would waive that no trade clause for a trade to the Giants, the Saints, or the Broncos. Uh, certainly, three interesting teams there. As uh, you know, at least a couple of those don't necessarily look like uh, perennial playoff contenders, uh, but they, they all do have some quarterback uh, questions moving forward. So I'm sure Russ would be open to other teams as well, perhaps. Um, so I, I don't know. This is just going to be a, b- a big story to watch. You said uh, at the top, we were kind of taking a peek ahead at the, to the off season as well as, as uh, mm-hmm. you know, many, uh, many dynasty players season is ending today. Yeah, they are. Unfortunately, you, the the reason I hesitate with the whole the whole Russell Wilson trade scenarios and everything like that is, you know, I know they gave up the draft picks to get Jamal Adams and, you know, multiple first round picks and many Seahawks fans even are thinking get some of that draft capital back and but the draft history in Seattle of late has not been great. We mentioned Rashad Penny. He was a first round pick. So if you trade Russell Wilson for a couple of Rashad Pennies or Jordan Brooks, uh, their latest in 2020, their first round pick, then they, you know, that doesn't turn out very good. When you have a quarterback in your building, you, you got to hold on to him. And so I have a hard time. What happens that. if let's say Carroll does move on or he gets, maybe I don't, I, guess he's, I don't know if he's going to get fired or not, but like he's taught, I think there's been some rumors that he might move on and we have a brand new coaching staff in there. Like, do you think they're going to want to start from scratch with a new quarterback or are they going to want to have Wilson? To me, it feels like they're going to want to have Wilson and not going to want to move on from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like it to me as well. They are now five and eight. I believe that, you know, the message all week, of course, all the Tyler Lockett hype in the locker room, that all happened. And, you know, they, they feel like they're still part of the conversation for the postseason. I know that doesn't seem like it for, for dynasty players or fans or anything, but the bottom of that, um, the NFC is full of teams that don't look like they belong in the conversation for the playoffs. So you never know. Crazier things have happened in Seattle. Uh, they're a perennial play- playoff team. So they're going to knock some people off down the stretch. And maybe that talks for us into wanting to stay. The Chiefs blew out the Raiders 48-9 on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes threw a couple of touchdown passes. Clyde Edwards, the lair, added a couple on the ground. Ryan, Hunter Renfro is the story here. 13 catches for 117 yards and a touchdown. Going to end up as a wide receiver one on the week. It seems like every single week you look at the top 24 wide receivers, Hunter Renfro's name is among them. One of the best slot receivers in the league and really one of the only weapons that the Las Vegas Raiders can use week in and week out. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a fun ride over the past few weeks with Hunter Renfro. Uh, five wide receiver one games over the past six weeks for him. Uh, only only three wide receivers have more than that on the entire season. Uh, so just not something even with the uh, the rug situation and him being off the team. Even with Darren Waller being uh, injured the past couple games, I don't think this is anything you know, even the strongest Renfro supporters necessarily saw coming. It has resulted in an ADP increase, of course, for him. Uh, it, our December ADP, his his new number is 98 overall. That makes him the wide receiver 44. Both of those are new high marks up from uh, just a, a couple months ago as he was the 109th overall player in the wide receiver 53. So, um, the value and and Matt likes to check the trade uh, trade finder. It's just not really there. So I mean, if you think if you think Hunter Renfro and and your first thought is sell high, uh, it's it's probably not going to work. I mean, he's being acquired for a second rounder. He's being treated as a throw in in, in other larger deals. So at this point, if you've got him, you you might as well hold him. And I'm just wondering when we start I, respecting this guy. I think you buy, if you're a contender, you buy him for a late second. 
If that if that can get it done, I think if you're anybody, you yeah, buy sure. It if you're any, by anybody, I mean, th- I think some of the excuses that have been made is that it's because you know uh, he's he's had his biggest games with Darren Waller out of the lineup, and that's true. He did have his only hundred yard game uh, other than today, so he's had two hundred yard games with. Uh, uh, with Waller outside of the lineup, but uh, he's also had a game with him in the lineup that way. He's also had nine target, multiple nine target games with Waller in the lineup. So I don't think it's only Waller missing time that's unlocking Renfro. He's been doing, you know, most of this all year long. He's had a decent floor basically since since week one, really, uh, and then has had these spike games with Waller out. Three straight games of nine plus targets. Three straight games over a hundred yards. Three straight games in the yep. top twenty among wide receivers in PPR leagues. He is he is a guy you want in your lineup. Brian, you and I talked Sunday morning about setting lineups, and we're talking about the bottom couple guys, and Renfro was a name that came up, and we both at the same time said, well, he's a lock. lock. We have to leave him in our lineup. Yeah. He should be that every single week. I think too many, too many dynasty managers, when they look at Hunter Renfro, they see Cole Beasley. They should look at Hunter Renfro and see Julian Edelman, and a, and a guy that's going to, catch over 100 passes and be near 1,100 yards and, and a half a dozen touchdowns. That's that's well, the pace he's on right and now. And you don't see Beasley really being used downfield that often, and that's not the case with, with Renfro. He is being used downfield. Renfro gets yeah. mixed in that yeah. way. Yes, exactly. A lot of the way that Julian Edelman yeah. and those Patriots slot receivers, Wes Welker as well, have done over the years, Renfro is, is exactly that out there in Las Vegas. So... Um, not a lot else to talk about in that game, at least for Las Vegas. For Las Vegas, uh, for the Chiefs, they did it with defense once again. I, I don't think we can look at the Chiefs and think we can we can score fantasy points against them anymore. And their offense really didn't have to. We were lucky to get what we got from Mahomes. Uh, Tyreek just four for seventy six, and Travis Kelsey with second straight um, slow game. Really, three catches for twenty seven yards. The Saints battled the Jets, and they won. 30-9, to nine. Elvin Kamara came back, another guy that returned off of injury, 27 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown, caught four for 25. It felt like all four of those were in the first drive of the game, and he didn't get, catch any more passes from Taysom Hill, who 175 passing yards, no touchdowns, no picks, but once again, 73 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. He'll be a quarterback one because he's a running back playing the position. I don't know, Ryan. Uh, heavy workload for Alvin Kamara, of course, no Mark Ingram, so they relied on him. Yeah, I think this is the third episode this season where we've talked about Alvin Kamara setting a new career high in rush attempts. That's what he did in this game. The 27 carries he had is uh, is the most he's ever had in a game. Um, I'm not taking much away from that because, as you mentioned, Mark Ingram uh, was not in the lineup. We expect him back in the in the coming weeks, and that. That leaves me with some concerns about Kamara in, in the fantasy playoffs. We're, we're going to have Taysom Hill sniping the short stuff. We're going to have Mark Ingram uh, seeing some targets and some carries as well. And I, I don't know if the volume is going to be there, even as, as bad as this team is top to bottom, for Kamara to be that, um, that league winner that he was last year. I, I think that... I think that the positive here, though, I mean, you can say it's only five targets. It's not like, you know, double-digit targets like we see Kamara get sometimes. But five targets, I think, is pretty good. And I think we can stop with uh, Taysom Hill is not going to throw to running backs discussion. Uh, maybe that gets split up with, with Ingram, too. Uh, but he's he's definitely involved. And, that you know, that's probably a, a product of that, you know, Nick Vanette is the leading receiver today. And that's really why he's getting those targets. Uh, but I, I think that's the positive we can take away from this. And he's, he's going to be fine, I think, in the playoffs. But I don't – I mean, unless he gets that six touchdowns like he did in the finals last season but i otherwise i agree with you probably not a, a quote-unquote league winner oh always a threat yeah. for multiple touchdowns to create that value always a threat to catch seven or eight or nine catches if the game script works in his favor that way i think what you guys are saying is don't expect 31 touches that's that's just not his his mo um, speaking of MOs, the Jets' MO has been losing, really, and really poor quarterback play. And Zach Wilson put some of that on film on Sunday, 202 yards. Didn't turn the ball over, 33 rushing yards. But 
once again, inaccuracy was the problem. Yeah, under 50% passing against the Saints pass funnel defense, who uh, coming into this week was the best schedule-adjusted fantasy matchup for opposing quarterbacks, uh, who are and they're also allowing the 10th most passing yards per game uh, on the season. So I just if if I just feel like if Wilson can't do it against this one, this this team, then uh, we've got a long road to him becoming fantasy relevant. He's not dead. Uh, I mean, it's his rookie season, so say what you want about that, but maybe maybe it's a buy point i don't know uh i'm probably not doing that i don't have the confidence in him but that might stem back for some you know confirmation bias from how i felt about him in the pre-draft process um but i i don't i just think he's bad do you guys disagree is he a buy for you he's not a buy for me he's not but a sell. I do look at that you're not going to sell him because you can't I just don't think you can get much for him, even in in those super flex leagues. But, I mean, you look at the Jets roster, and obviously this is a, a, you know, a a rebuild, a a complete rebuild, even with the weapons that they added, the offensive pieces. You know, they drafted, uh, along with Wilson, they drafted Elijah Moore, they drafted Michael Carter. Uh, Both of those guys are now on the injured reserve. They signed Corey Davis. He's on the injured reserve. Um, So, I mean... Wilson's been bad all year. This is not a not trying to excuse his play. Uh, I just don't know how much we should take away from late season Zach Wilson. I wrote about Zach Wilson in the rookie report card in week 13, and I studied a lot of what he has done so far this year. And, and the knock, of course, coming out of college were those inaccuracies. He, he misses low to the outside. He misses high over the middle, and that turns into interceptions at the NFL level that maybe wouldn't have happened at the college level. Cause you know, safeties are so much more talented and all those things, it, all the, all the positives are there though. And he's shown them. There are times, there are flashes of brilliance. He can feather a ball over a linebacker and all the arm strength to make all the throws as, as they say. And um, you know, it, he, he needs, I, I think I finished the article by saying he needs to have a Josh Allen type, uh, resurrection as, as far as his accuracy goes. He needs to take that kind of step. And Allen still isn't the most accurate player in the league, quarterback in the league, but he has made huge strides in that in that department. Um, he can hit a slant pretty regularly, and he, he can put it on a player especially deep. If Zach Wilson can do those, the athleticism that that he has shown so far and the ability to throw on the run and put so much mustard on, on his throws... There, there's a NFL starting quarterback inside there and potentially even a, a big playmaker for dynasty managers. You guys said you wouldn't be buying. The The price has fallen outside of the first round in super flex leagues. He's being valued almost as low as a backup quarterback or a high-end backup quarterback. That feels like a place to buy for me because of what you mentioned. The lack of weapons on the team, the lack of offensive line play. I liked Wilson coming out of college. I still like him now, and I still think he has all that potential. I don't mind that the price is getting quite a bit lower. The Titans blanked the Jaguars 20 to nothing. Uh, Tannehill had a rushing touchdown, so that's good. Deonta Foreman, if you were forced to play him, he scored. So I guess that's okay. If you played anybody else, you're disappointed. Trevor Lawrence threw four picks, speaking of rookie quarterbacks that are struggling. Marvin Jones Jr. was a highlight for the Jaguars. Four catches for 70 yards. Um, guys, we got to talk about Trevor Lawrence because it's it's a problem at this point. And, you know, the expectations were certainly high. There's a lot of questions about the coaching staff. There's certainly questions about the weapons that he has as well and that offensive line. But, Ryan, there are very few positives throughout his rookie season we're not seeing the steps that we expected to see I I maybe was looking at Lawrence through rose-colored glasses a couple of weeks ago when I said baby steps he's take he's, he's made a few throws here and there but there's just not enough of that right now in Jacksonville I don't think there are any positives honestly to take away um the one positive that could come hopefully in the next few weeks is that uh, Urban Meyer is fired. That would be a positive for Trevor Lawrence, for James Robinson, for the entire team, in entire, my opinion. Entire league. Entirely. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Humanity. Um, but, I mean, Lawrence, and we expected, you know, we expected this team to be a losing team. That's no surprise. But they bring in Marvin Jones. They draft um, 
they draft ETN. I mean, of course, we know how that went with with the injury, but uh, I mean that that was probably a questionable pick to begin with. Uh, essentially, they surround him with with some playmakers, and it just hasn't mattered. They've been down in basically every game every week and setting him up to for for volume um, offense, volume numbers. That hasn't panned out. Um, he showed in college that he could he could run the ball and be an asset that way. He hasn't done that. So I, I, I see no positives with, with Trevor Lawrence's rookie season, and it's it's a little scary. And, uh, I mean, we heard the, the reports on Sunday morning that um, the the Kahn family and the, the ownership was planning on, on keeping Urban Meyer around. Um, that, that would be a, a, a very bad decision, in my opinion, and it would be, you know, potentially a career killer for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you know, from all accounts, the con the cons are are brilliant businessmen. You know, <laughs> he's a brilliant businessman, but that seems like a like a poor decision, at least from this dynasty analyst's opinion. Matt, I, I don't know if we've really heard your opinion on Lawrence so far in his rookie season. It's certainly been a struggle. What are you seeing with him? Uh, I'm just not really taking a whole lot away from this rookie season like you guys have, have mentioned it's just I, I just don't know what we can we haven't seen him put in any in any advantageous situations we've seen the coach kind of undermine him at every step you know I just like I, I just don't think we can really pull that much away from what we've seen so far this season and I think I have him at like QB 8 in the QB 8 to 10 range I don't think I can really move him down much past that uh so I mean I I think if you have him, you hold. You're probably not selling unless you get a king's ransom, and I don't think you're getting that right now. Uh, so, I mean, if you, whoever, whatever team has him, I think is, is they're probably staying on that team this off season. Well, I think what's what I would say is the likely scenario at this point, even after these comments from Khan, is that in in a month, Urban Meyer is fired or takes a leave or whatever he wants, however he wants to spin it because that's what he does. But either way, he'll be gone, and the moment he's fired, Trevor Lawrence's dynasty value starts to creep back yeah. up. So as as you said earlier, Matt, if you're in a league with no trade deadline or a, a very late trade deadline, go get him right now. Um, it's it's going to be the, the obvious play to buy him after, uh, after Urban Meyer is fired. It's just it's tough with there's not any like I mean are we excited about any of the rookie quarterbacks obviously I haven't gotten into it yet speaking of 2022 rookies like I I haven't really gotten into it deeply but it seems like there's not any so like the capital that would be spent on one of those quarterbacks coming in the excitement for those quarterbacks you know it probably isn't going to be there so that's going to that's going to lead me to think that the people that do have Lawrence and in good draft years with with good quarterbacks maybe 2023 if if we had fast forwarded a year you know that might get them to move off of a player like Lawrence for that new that new thing but I just don't see that happening for, for this well, kind of I have, draft class. I've seen some suggest uh, Mac Jones has more dynasty value than Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Well, give I will trade you Mac Jones in every league for, for Trevor Lawrence, if you like. It's really interesting. We were, we were talking about Zach Wilson, now Trevor Lawrence, the two trajectories of these two players drafted just one pick apart in the NFL draft but so much different, such a different opinion in dynasty circles of the two players. And now, you know, both struggling as rookies on bad teams and, and offenses with, with their own problems, of course, but so many are giving up on Wilson immediately. And so many others are, are still saying that Trevor Lawrence has all the upside that he did as, as the day that he came out of Clemson and said he was in the draft. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Certainly, conversations to be had this off season about this rookie class. We'll continue those here on the DLF dynasty podcast. Let's jump over to the Cowboys and the Washington football team. Dallas won that one 27 to 20 Dak Prescott, uh, 211 yards, a touchdown, two picks, 15 rushing yards, Matt. He was fine once again, but I think we all expected this Cowboys offense to be to be all over the place, scoring points left and right, running game, passing game, all the weapons, all the great stuff. And and Dak just just hasn't quite got it the, to that point this year. Yeah, and then another, you know, 
pretty good matchup today against Washington's pass defense. So, like you, you, like you said, all of the weapons are back and healthy. Last week it was, you know, Amari is, is just is still got some symptoms and Gallup is back. But this week we've got all three receivers back and healthy. We've got we've got Schultz healthy. We've got uh, Zeke back. You know, we got every we have the full complement and we have a good matchup. And it still didn't happen for him from a fantasy standpoint. So, uh, and and that's not the first time that's happened this season. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not like I'm I'm trying to bury Dak here, but it seems to me if we're going to talk about those top six kind of elite guys and uh he's going to be seventh i think behind behind uh uh behind herbert behind behind everybody above him right uh, and then i think there's maybe even a conversation for for burrow ahead of him uh that's kind of the line for me and i but i do still think there's a gigantic gap between those two guys dak and burrow down to the next tier which to me leads off with uh with with trevor lawrence so uh i just i just wonder if you guys are on the same page here in terms of him with those elite quarterbacks is he at the very bottom of that that tier of those two tiers for you guys as well he is for me that that's kind of the same range i have okay. him and uh, that's also where he is showing up in our adp um below uh below justin herbert um but but really well above the next guy who's actually jalen hurts by the way uh, oh, okay interesting um but but i'm with you i think i think burrow's getting very close to uh to dak value and I guess I I essentially see Dak kind of almost in a tier of his own right now. He's almost like it's they're in very similar situations in terms of their offense, right? They've all got great weapons around them, maybe two of the two two of the best wide receiver cores in the entire league on those two teams. But Burrow's younger, has a more exciting offense, I think, around him right now. Amari could be gone, Gallup could be gone, so it seems like they're they're trending in opposite directions. It's an interesting conversation for sure to have um, because the, like you mentioned, so many weapons on the team and just the overall um, play of that offense hasn't been quite what we expected. Zeke's been banged up, of course, uh, just 12 carries for 45 yards on Sunday against Washington, one catch for 15. And then they just spread it out among all those wide receivers. If that's the game script, uh, of course, we're going to have the big blow-up games, but it just hasn't been happening quite as much as we expected. For Washington, I think the big news here, Ryan, is probably Terry McLaurin and the injury. He had uh, kind of an ugly collision, falls high on his body, and didn't return to the game. McLaurin's been up and down, a disappointment for sure for fi- fantasy players. We hope he's okay, but this is Terry McLaurin needs better quarterback play to take his game back to the level we expected it to jump to this season. Yeah, he certainly does, and um, <clears throat> this is another team that's going to have to figure out that quarterback position this offseason, and, and ultimately that will decide what McLaurin's value is. Uh, it was a concussion he was diagnosed with, so we'll see if he is able to suit up uh, next week. Seems like seems like those go 50-50 as far as if they're cleared or not. Um, so a, a major piece for, uh, for playoff fantasy playoff teams that uh, could be out. Another guy that's just been hard to really click the box next to his name because he hasn't had those big games. He's had the blow-up games, of course, and then so many uh, games where he just scores six or seven fantasy points and, and isn't helping dynasty players get wins, which is frustrating for such a great player. Guys, we're sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest-growing daily fantasy st- site in the world. Instead of spending your time building elaborate salary cap rosters or competing against professional players, you can explore unique, fun, easy-to-play games like More or Less, Knockout Kings, Eagle Eye, Goal Rush, or Touchdown Dance. Play any of the major sports such as the NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB, as well as UFC, NASCAR, golf, soccer, and various college sports without competing against those sharks. Right now, you can open a new Monkey Knife Fight account, make an initial deposit, and get a full year of DLF Premium for free. On top of that, if you use the promo code DLF, Monkey Knife Fight will match that deposit 100%, doubling your initial funds. Simply log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. The Broncos wiped the slate with the Lions 38-10. to Javante Williams had another very productive afternoon. 15 carries, 73 yards and a touchdown. One catch for 10 yards and a score as well. But Melvin Gordon, Matt, he was productive once again in his return. 24 carries, 
111 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, after Javante's massive game last week, we I think it was kind of out there that, you know, this is William's show, and I think for those of us paying attention, we, we could see that Gordon, if he's healthy, he's going to come back to that same role, and that's kind of what happened, and they have a, a good set of matchups down the stretch here. I think if you're a contending team looking for some running back production, this kind of split has continued to happen. Uh, you know, maybe it's closer to 50-50. Today it was definitely slanted in Gordon's favor, uh, but a late second for uh, to, to play Cincinnati, which is the eighth best matchup for running backs. Las Vegas in week 16 is the fifth best, and then the Chargers in week 17 are the 11th best. So you could do a lot worse, I think, with your late second if you need some running back punch for the for the playoffs here. And if you're not contending, I think getting Gordon off your roster for a second round pick is is a pretty attractive uh, thing to do as well. Matt Price plays in a lot of leagues without a trade deadline. I do actually, clearly. or my all my leagues. <laughs> yeah, I mean like all them. of my leagues are are playoff like as soon as the playoffs kick off, that's when the trade trade deadlines happen. So I just I just sure. restrict them for the sure. playoffs. So we still got one more week to go in those leagues. Yeah, I, I prefer leagues with a little earlier one to keep those those kind of funny the funny business out. <laughs> but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, for the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown, Ryan. Uh, another pretty good game. Eight catches, 73 yards. His he's, his value's going up. I think it probably is. This is the second straight week with 12 targets. Uh, this time he caught eight of them for 73 yards. Uh, didn't have that, that dramatic touchdown that he had a week ago, but um, uh, last week he was the wide receiver six. This week he'll he'll likely end up in that wide receiver two range uh, somewhere in the in the teens or early 20s. Uh, Pretty pretty solid game from this player who's been uh, undervalued. I, I mean, I, I certainly still have questions about the long-term upside, uh, but this this team has a lot of needs, clearly, and uh, I don't think he's a player that's going to get uh, replaced over the offseason. His, his role, uh, even if it ends up being uh, the wide receiver two on that team, is is fairly safe moving forward. Yeah, they as you said, so many needs. Uh, they they need to find players they don't have to replace at this point, and he's going to be one of them. We we continue to talk about him as a positive, and that's that's adding to his value for sure. We'll see if that continues to grow down the stretch here in twenty twenty one. How about the Chargers and the Giants? L.A. wins this one 37-21. Most of the Giants scoring came in garbage time. Justin Herbert was magnificent, 275-3. and three. Wish he would have got that rushing touchdown, almost did. 19 rushing yards, but still another elite game from Justin Herbert, guys. And, and really, it, he spread the ball out without... Uh, without his number one target, Keenan Allen, he goes to Jalen Guyton, three for 87 and a score. Josh Palmer, five for 66 and a touchdown. Mike Williams didn't find pay dirt, though, six for 61. He was productive. Austin Eckler did find the painted area, 12 carries for 67 yards and a score. If there's any takeaway here for Dynasty, it's probably it's probably got to be Saquon Barkley. Guys, we, we keep talking about him um, because it's the only positive on that team. Imagine if he had an offensive line. Imagine if he had a quarterback who could spread the ball out so he wouldn't face these eight-man fronts. He's slowly progressed to the point where you see see those plays where you're like, that's the Saquon Barkley we've been waiting for. 16 carries, 64 yards, three catches for 31, and the late touchdown. He's still a playmaker on a bad offense, and I, I just can't wait to see him play behind a, a, at least a solid offensive line once one, again. One more year left on his contract, and then we'll, I guess we'll see what happens. I want, it'll be interesting to see what the Giants do with him. There's going to be changes there in New York for sure. We, we already heard all the rumors about Gettleman moving on, and, and you know maybe they can change that culture enough that Saquon wants to stay there. Maybe he moves on. Maybe it's a trade. Maybe it's some, something else. He has to wait for free agency, but... But it feels like a player that needs a fresh start to me. And a fully healthy season. No doubt. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the 49ers in overtime outlasted the Bengals 26-23. to George Kittle, another huge game. That guy, you can't stop him. He's on my 10-year-old son's fantasy team, and he, and he calls him Kittle Skittles. When he, when he scores touchdowns, he says Kittle Skittles. 13 catches, 151 yards. And a touchdown on 15 targets. Brandon Ayuk found the end zone. Debo Samuel got in on a rushing touchdown. Once again, this offense is is really full of playmakers. But Ryan, that backfield is is so inconsistent. Yeah, it really is. And and I know it was my opinion at, at points uh, 
through the off season and, and through the early part of the season that uh, this was one of those backfields, whoever's there, you, you want to use them. And, and that is what we had seen in the past. We had seen Mostert and, uh, and Wilson and, and other players last year and over the past couple of years produce and have success. It just hasn't been that way this year. Mitchell is, has been successful. He's been banged up. I think this is now three separate injuries for Mitchell that has, has caused him to miss time. Uh, but outside of him, and I guess Debo Samuel, if you want to include him, he, he certainly uh, is, is making an impact when he gets carries out of the backfield. But everybody else, Hasty Wilson, uh, we didn't didn't really get to see Mostert. Uh, Sermon has, has been horrible. This is not that plug-and-play backfield that we thought it would be. Uh, It's really Elijah Mitchell's backfield, but he needs to stay healthy to to maintain his dynasty value. Clearly the most talented tailback on the team is Elijah Mitchell. The most talented player on the team is Debo Samuel. He gets back in the lineup and makes another big play in the running game. They needed him to do it because it just wasn't there for the rest of those running backs. The the core group as a whole, though, even with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback, who was good once again on Sunday, 296 and two, Matt, these guys are, are showing their their value right now. Kittle, Ayuk, Samuel, they're they're all good. Yeah. And I think I, I think they're the, the sneaky buy for contenders, I think, is Garoppolo. And obviously that's risky if for some reason Lance were to take over these last three weeks. But I think we could probably say that on paper, San Francisco. Yeah, they're in it, though. They they're are. In, in that's why that's why so I think Garoppolo's sticking. Gonna stick with their yeah. Gun. So like in a super flex league, like if you're. I don't know if you're starting Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback too, and you want some extra punch. I think the entire San Francisco offense is a buy right now for, for contenders. Uh, that's because they have Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston in the fantasy playoffs. I think that's probably the best schedule uh, overall. So Houston actually has been surprisingly uh, decent against quarterbacks from a fantasy standpoint. They're a top 10 defense, uh, excuse me, oh, top 10 worst matchup for, for opposing quarterbacks in fantasy. But I think we saw like Russell Wilson have, have enough success for against the day and it makes up it for it with those two matchups in, in 15 and 16 with Atlanta and, t- and Tennessee. So uh, he's somebody I've seen moved frequently uh, over the last week or two to contending teams for, for values in the second round range. So again, if you're struggling at that quarterback two per, per position and super flex leagues, Garoppolo is pretty sneaky, I think. Sneaky and cheap. The Bills just came rushing back against the Buccaneers late on Sunday afternoon. The Bucks end up winning in overtime 33 to 27. Tom Brady was terrific, 263 and 2. Also added a rushing touchdown. Fournette was great on the ground, 19 for 113 and a score. Uh, Godwin caught 10 passes, went over 100 yards. Mike Evans got into the end zone, 6 for 91. Gronk was 5 for 62. All these guys just keep doing it over and over and over again, Ryan. The Buccaneers are value, value, value. They absolutely are. Uh, I mean, Godwin, Evans, they're going they're going to be expensive. If you don't have them on your team right now, uh, it's probably too late for that, at least uh, for the playoff run. But Leonard Fournette and Gronk are, are going to be league winners. They just keep doing it every single week. Uh, obviously, we're seeing their value, uh, even when you think long-term dynasty, we're seeing their value increase, but not as much as it should. I mean, I bought I bought a Leonard Fournette for a second rounder just a couple weeks ago. Um, it, it's all about finding that uh, that matchup where the team in your league has one of these guys and is not contending. But if you if you match up in that way, and and again, you still uh, trades are still allowed in your league. These are obvious moves. Yeah, and the, and the nice thing is they both provide long term or at least next year value. Fournette, of course, a free agent. We'll see what happens if Gronk returns and when Gronk returns to Tampa Bay. We should expect him to continue as long as he's healthy to put up numbers. Man, he was real close to a monster game. A couple deep shots down the seam where if he gets both hands on the football, we're talking about a 100-yard game and maybe a touchdown added on to, to what he did. For the Bills, Josh. speaking of league winner, Josh Allen put his team on his back late in that game. 308 yards and two scores. 100-yard rushing game for Josh Allen. Continuously, quarterback power to the right. They handed the football to a running back seven times and did not do it until the second half of the game because they couldn't. They were behind the whole time, 
And Josh Allen just said, I'll play running back too. 12 carries, 109 yards, and a score. Diggs got 7 for 74. Cole Beasley, 9 for 64. Dawson Knox found the end zone 7 for 60. Even Gabriel Davis with a second straight game with a touchdown. 5 for 43. Guys, Gabriel Davis, his value. Going forward, it seems like he was he was kind of pressed down by Emmanuel Sanders early in the season. And now Davis getting a few more snaps, more opportunities for sure. Eight targets on Sunday, Ryan. Gabriel Davis, long term, how do you feel about him? Certainly bouncing back. I think we gave up on him. And, and I, I, bit, I include yeah. myself in that. Gave up on him a little too quickly. He was... Uh, he was really one of those trendy players to to talk about. We saw his value rise over the off season, uh, and, and then early in the season, and, and really through the majority of the season, we saw those veterans Beasley and, and Manny Sanders uh, play ahead of him. But um, those guys starting to get banged up, certainly showing their age, and uh, we we definitely can't count on both of them being back. Maybe neither of them being back. So uh, Davis just just like he did last year's is a player on the rise and ending the season on a strong note. Matt Sanders got banged up in this game and Gabriel Davis came in and it looks like potentially Sanders, if he misses time, Gabriel Davis will be a bigger part of this offense. Could he be a guy in the playoffs that dynasty managers could even use? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, he's going to be a volatile asset. You're going to have to, you know, it's kind of not quite to the extent of that Rashad Penny play we talked about earlier, but like, you're going to have to really uh, need some upside, I think in your lineup to, to have the, the, the stones to, to click that box next to his name. But absolutely. Uh, I think you can put him in there and expect like, uh, like a, a touchdown. Like that's, that's your, he's kind of like playing one of those back end tight ends. You're hoping for a touchdown. Uh, and yeah. you know, that's going to, going to kind of buoy his fantasy performance. You're probably not going to get a whole lot in terms of yardage unless he keeps the catches a deep one but certainly has the touchdown upside uh, to that. Maybe even the outside of Dawson Knox, the best receiving uh, threat in that area of the field for the team. Yeah, we'll see how it how it shakes out. It feels like one of those guys that could provide some value to dynasty managers that have been waiting for it all season long. Guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We appreciate you listening. I'm Dan. That's Ryan. Over there is Matt. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week.